All Things Enchanted, a podcast with Isha Lerner. Why sometimes I've believed as many as six impossible things before breakfast. Lewis Carroll from Alice in Wonderland. All Things Enchanted incites curiosity about the things we see, don't see, and perceive. It's a magical world and Isha wants to share it all with you. So join us and let's get enchanted. In this episode, we wanted to have a little fun. So today we're going to do 12 questions and answers with Isha Lerner, and we hope you enjoy listening and getting to know a little bit more about her. All right, so to kick off this question and answer session, number one is what is your most favorite trip or adventure that you've ever taken? Oh my gosh, Katya, that's a great question. I'd have to say that my best adventure that started all adventures was when I was given a ticket to visit the Hawaiian Islands uh, after my high school graduation. Uh, Oddly, in the fifth grade, many, many moons ago, I had to do a report on a state in the United States, and I chose Hawaii. I still have that report to this day. And when I was creating that report, I knew I was going to go to Hawaii. And it was thorough and it was so fun. And back in those days, we wrote letters to the Chambers of Commerce to get all sorts of tourist information. And anyway, I was so enchanted with Hawaii and I knew I must go there. And so on my high school graduation, I was given a ticket by my parents to go on a vacation there on a tour group uh, with my best friend. And we went to Hawaii and I fell in love with it and I knew I had to live there. So when I came home to the chagrin of my mother and my family, I decided to pack up my bags and move to Hawaii in spite of all obstacle that I didn't really have a home there. I didn't really know anyone, um, but I was eager to live in Hawaii and to take part in some sort of adventure that I knew was going to open my soul. And I was ready at that time to make some big changes in my life. And I knew that there was like some vista of no pun intended, but rainbow worlds ahead of me. And sure enough, there were. Uh, By taking that leap and taking that risk, um, I had the most amazing experience living with people that are still comrades and friends today. Uh, From there, uh, the synchronicity led me to Scotland to live at the Fintorn Foundation. Uh, From there, it was having um, many adventures through Europe and falling in love with France and falling in love with Scotland and doing many solo trips through Italy and uh, different areas of, uh, of, of Italy, basically. One of my favorites being Florence, Firenze and going to Siena. So anyway, one beautiful step to take a leap into the unknown led me to a life that became very fulfilling. And uh, the adventure I think was truly 
the adventure to follow my heart and the adventure to take a risk. I love that answer. Question number two, what zodiac sign are you? So my astrological sign is Taurus. I'm born on May 8th and I'm ruled ruled by the planet Venus. I do love being a Taurus because it is connected to nature and to all of the things beautiful in life, art and music, and I really appreciate the aesthetics of life very much. So I enjoy being a Taurus. I'm also stubborn like a Taurus. Um, but the thing about Taurus that I really love, and I think most Tauruses out there can relate to this, that it's like we really, really believe in our values. And even though we're stubborn, we also have really strong values. And nothing really is going to change in a way the deep core of what holds value for us. Question number three. Tell us about one of your favorite childhood memories. So a really beautiful childhood memory and a past memory probably has to do with growing up with my sister uh, in a non-conformist way. We had a situation in the 1950s where we didn't have the white picket fence life. We didn't have the perfect leave it to beaver, which maybe a lot of people don't quite know what that terminology is. It was a sitcom back in the 1950s of the perfect family. But we had this soul, we had this soul sister energy. And one of my favorite memories is remembering our bedroom that we shared. And we shared that bedroom up until the time we graduated in high school. And she had one twin bed on one side of the room, and I had one twin bed on the other side of the room, and each of our beds had a little bed stand. And there was sort of like this invisible line, you know, that separated those two worlds, and they really were two worlds. And it also showed the difference between my sister, a Virgo, so her little world had skin uh, care products and kind of practical things about life and maybe a tablet pencil, but basically very Virgo kind of cleanliness things. And my little world was filled with as many things that I could find connected to gnomes or fairies. And I really, really did love those things. Today, they're easily found, but then you couldn't really find little things and trinkets that were magical. It, it, I was so touched. I mean, I literally cried as a little girl watching Cinderella um, make little shirts for the mice and and pull them over their little plump belly and 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 have little clothes for little animals and things. And so I had a big, beautiful piece of blue glass that I found somewhere. I don't know where, but it had little special things on it, an acorn, troll dolls that I made clothes for, and anything that I could find like from San Francisco, you know, at the world market when we would go there with our family, there'd be little tiny Chinese erasers with little Chinese heads, anything that I could find. And so a great memory is that bedstand that really did hold, in a sense, this sort of mm, 
kind of enchantment of, uh, of I would imagine, the seed point for the rest of my life. That is so sweet. What a cute answer, a sweet answer, and an answer that is so classically you. So um, thank you for sharing that. I can see that in my mind as you explain it. It's just so great. Okay, for number four, I really like this question because I'm really interested in this. What Enneagram type are you? So the Enneagram Katya can be seen as a set of nine distinct personality types. And each number on the Enneagram denotes one type. There's a feeling type, a thinking type, and a creative type. And so somewhere along the line, um, the overall orientation of our personality reflects the totality of certain childhood factors. And it can be a wonderful way to understand certain characteristics that we have and in many ways, characteristics that we seek to improve upon, because as in any uh, area of our life, um, the Enneagram will show us where we may have some sort of personality limitation or a personality habit that doesn't work on the highest plane. So the Enneagram helps us to understand where we may find faults in ourselves but also where there's great room for improvement. Um, so therefore, we kind of cycle from our number into its highest spectrum, hopefully. And then there are two numbers on either side of the number that is our basic character number. And they also give us indication of where we may move around, you might say, as we, you know, find different parts of ourselves being expressed in different environments. So for me, I would say my basic characteristic type from childhood would be a four. And um, there are a lot of four artists and musicians and sensitive types, people who love poetry, people who can be melancholic. Um, the four can go into extremes, which I never really have, but it can be so melancholic that it would fall a bit into depression. But of course, we know that sort of melancholic poet um, creating some of the most profound poetry out of this kind of deep longing and soulful part of, um, you know, of humanity being tapped into by a four. Also, there are so many psychologists and people interested in metaphysics who are fours. And as I mentioned, quite a few um, musicians, uh, Joni Mitchell, Joan Baez have been denoted as a four, et cetera. Um, so my highest wing, I guess, would be a three. And the three is a social number and tends to have a little bit more of a surface orientation. And I don't mean that in a negative way because they're very social, more of an extroverted type, and they have a bit more concern about how they are representing themselves in the world. And there's so much to each number. So I'd say that there's a line between being a four, a deep thinking, melancholic, artistic type who also can be social and actually uplifted. And, you know, when we connect the Enneagram with our astrology chart, that's a very interesting template too. Something I've wanted to write about because 
it's, you know, not all fours are the same. You're going to have a four Aries, a four Taurus, which I would be a four Gemini. There's going to be a bit of a different color to each number. So anyway, the Enneagram is a super interesting uh, metaphysical tool to work with if you want to learn a lot about yourself. And yeah, it's super, um, super interesting to uh, mostly connect to it so that we can improve upon ourself and um, reach for the highest potential. Wow, thank you for sharing that. All right, number five is a personal one. Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert and why? So Katya, it's really fun being interviewed by my daughter. And I think you know me and would probably agree that I am right in the middle. And oftentimes when I take the test, I'm kind of both introverted and extroverted. And I would say that I'm extroverted when I'm teaching and when I'm out in the world enjoying a kind of social life with my friends and also in work. But I also like to spend time alone and I have, I don't have a problem spending time alone. In fact, I kind of long for it and love it. Um, so yeah, I'd say I'm on the spectrum of both extrovert and introvert. For number six, the question is, if you had to write a book tomorrow, what would you write about? Oh my gosh, that's a very difficult question. And I don't think I can answer it except to say that I have so many books in my head and so many ideas. And it's been such an interesting time in life working with my business, the Power of Flower Healing Essence Company, and doing retail wholesale selling of flower essences creating and producing them traveling and teaching that i have had less time to write and so i'm really looking forward to spending more time writing and i do have a plethora of books in my head in fact i have lots of little tiny books that i want to write all right for number seven i have a few of these what's your biggest pet peeve I don't have a lot of pet peeves, really. I think probably my biggest pet peeve is around people not being able to forgive one another. I do believe that we need to hold people accountable for hurting us or doing things that are wrong, but I also believe in a healed heart and I believe in humanity and I believe in forgiveness. And so I think that's it. People who, who are unwilling to forgive and who hold grudges. All right, so for number eight, I wanted to ask a few questions about uh, your experience in the field of astrology, tarot, flower essences, and more. So number eight is what is a common myth about your field of expertise? That's a really loaded question, Katya. And I would say that one of the myths about being an entrepreneur, um, working in the field of flower essences and vibrational medicine, astrology, tarot, the field of metaphysics, I think the myth is that it's a fortune telling. I think the myth is that it um, is sugar-coated and doesn't entail integrity, hard work, dedication, and a kind of serious pursuit 
to bring uh, the metaphysical arts back into the world with um, with a kind of respect that it deserves. For number nine, what is one piece of advice that you'd give to someone starting out in your career? First, to be true to thine self and to be a, a true and honest person so that you can bring um, your true self to the work that you do. Another bit of advice would be to follow your own individuated interest. You can learn from many people. You can be inspired by many people. I have, myself, been inspired by so many great writers and poets and musicians, other astrologers, teachers along the way, and then found a way to integrate that all into my own fabric, kind of like a beautiful weaving. And so <clears throat> it was my own way to, um, to find a voice through my interest that represented, I guess, the destiny and the individual ideas that I had to share. And one example was, I'd say, the inner child cards. I loved Tarot all my life. I worked with Tarot since I've been 17 years old. And so in my 30s, late 30s, and then by the time I turned 40, I and Mark Lerner created our own Tarot deck, the first of four decks that I've created. And it came through my love of fairy tales and enchantment. And it was then, of course, the uniting and connecting of fairy tales with the major arcana. And it was criticized in a way by the world back then. Um, how dare you take the tarot and turn it into something different? But basically, that's always been done. And what I teach my students in tarot or any other field is there isn't an exact truth or an exact moment that something was created that should remain in stone. That doesn't mean we shouldn't respect history, learn from history, become a bit of a scholar in everything that you pursue, and then take that knowledge, live through that knowledge, and create an individuated piece of art or book or creation that represents you. Number 10, who has been the most important professional mentor? Well, I had to think about that one. Who is my professional mentor? To be honest, I think it is Peter Caddy, the founder, one of the founders of the, of the uh, Fintorn Foundation. Something really powerful about Peter Caddy. I was lucky enough to know him and to be at the community in Scotland when he was there. It's about love in action. And I think the whole experience at the Fintorn community, working in the gardens, working in the kitchen, working with people who, for the most part, worked hard. I know that being a part of the Clooney Hill emergence group starting the Clooney Hill Hotel aspect of Fintorn, which was where I entered into the community, the prospect of learning how to work hard 
and putting again together love and action was something and the teaching that has followed me through my life. And um, I would say Peter Caddy is one. Another important person is Isabel Hickey. I found her work when I lived in Hawaii and so many changes took place in Hawaii for me and read her book, Astrology, A Cosmic Science. And that was a book that was very meaningful to me because back in the 70s when I was learning astrology and when so much was coming to the surface from the past as relates to alchemy and metaphysics, we were kind of unearthing once again uh, information about the goddess, you know, the goddess in every woman, Jane Shinoda, Jean Shinoda Bolin, you know, all these incredible works that were um, coming forward um, in the 70s. This book, Astrology, a Cosmic Science by Isabel Hickey, was also very important. And I had the opportunity to meet her in Boston, Massachusetts before she passed. Um, Also, with my ex husband and always best friend and continued a father of children and best friend, Mark Lerner. And I also had the opportunity to meet Dane Rudyard before his passing, another great astrological mentor. So these were people that were very important to me and they're all gone now, but they were extremely influential in my understanding of the work and the destiny I would seek. Number 11, What three books would you recommend everyone read and why? Books are so personal and I know that everyone has their own genre and the type of book they enjoy. Um, For me, however, as a young woman, there were three books that were influential. Books I'll I'll always refer back to just for myself. I may reread parts of them or I might suggest them to others. One would be A Story Like the Wind by Lawrence Vanderpost. That book moved me so deeply about the Kalarabi uh, Desert and the Bushmen of Africa. It was such a beautifully written book and anything written by Lawrence Vanderpost I would highly recommend. Also, um, the autobiography of a yogi by Paramahansa Yogananda. That book moved me deeply, and I always would recommend that book if one is interested in hearing the story of a most magnificent human being. And the third book, hmm, I guess, Memories, Dreams, and Reflections by Carl Jung. That book was very influential for me. Um, having to do with the dream world and a lot of the out-of-body experiences I had as a child. Um, and there was a point in my life where I was I was searching for clarity and understanding about uh, what is happening to us when we have altered states of consciousness. Um, there were several other very important books that influenced me as a young woman that helped me to understand that there were others who had experiences like I had, um, people who 
uh, we're interpreting symbolism and myth in the dream world. So anything written by Joseph Campbell, I just drank up like water, nurturing a dried up well. I mean, I loved uh, everything written by Joseph Campbell. And it was really important to find the work of Robert Monroe and the out-of-body work that he did and his study of dolphins and the work that he brought forward, forward into the world was very healing for me. So a lot of these books were written in the 60s and the 70s, influenced us young troubadours who were coming up in the world and uh, finding a new spirit, a liberation into the arts and music and the metaphysics and the goddess and astrology and all sorts of ways to reinterpret the language of our life. Number 12, if you won $100 million tomorrow, what would you spend it on? If I won $100 million, that's a funny question. Um, first and foremost, I've never been a person who had dreams of winning a lottery. Um, I'm not really a lucky person per se. I'm more of like a Ford truck, you know, a Taurus. I have to work hard and I accept that. Um, I've never really had anything handed to me easily. And so I've never really been a dreamer in that way that, oh, if I won a hundred million dollars or, you know, you, you know, my life would be happy and better. I don't buy lottery tickets, you know, somehow it's, it's just not my fate to be quote lucky. I'd say though, blessed is, is a good term that I would put to myself, but let's just say I did win a hundred million dollars, obviously. I would do so many wonderful things with it, like probably most listeners here in this podcast. Um, first, of course, I would take very good care of my family. Um, I would do something really wonderful um, to uh, create an environment that was nurturing and loving, um, that could invite others in and just create a beautiful life. Um, mostly so that I could enjoy it with my family and my work. And then to be able to um, share resources and help other people. Uh, I can't think of anything more wonderful than to be generous with people in need and sometimes generous because it's just so much fun to be generous. Well, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to answer these 12 questions. And I think that everyone will agree it was a fun episode to learn more about you. And maybe we'll do some more question and answers in future episodes. And that's it for this episode of All Things Enchanted with Isha Lerner. Thanks for joining and we'll see you next time. To learn more about Isha and her work, and to contact her regarding speaking engagements, appearances, interviews, workshops, and more, visit her website at www.ishalearner.com. If you would like to be considered for a guest interview on All Things Enchanted, please send an email to isha at ishalearner.com. All Things Enchanted podcast is produced by Katya Lerner and Buzzword Consulting, www.ishalearner.com 
buzzwordapps.com.